1: Today on the Illini Enquirer podcast, let's switch focus from football to hoops, and I know about 80% of our audience enjoys that. So Derek Piper, welcome back to the pod as we've gone really football heavy, Joey Wagner and I in our football bunkers now that training camp is about to start. but Let's talk some hoops because it's always a good time to talk hoops in Illini country, uh, even on July 29th, Friday, as we are recording this. Derek back from Peach Jam, heading all the way down to Georgia. I'm guessing you made your stop for some hot chicken?
2: I actually didn't know no, oh, I, I did stop in Nashville my brother lives there goes to bandy for grad school got some barbecue instead so changed it up a little bit this time but uh, always good eats in Nashville I always recommend the hot chicken we got some barbecue uh, went down to peach jam like usual and it's the event of the summer when you see all the coaches that show up I mean you just got the top players in the country on the EYBL circuit and agents are out there national media is out there it's a good time and, and a lot of great fanfare as well so Uh, always one of my favorite if not my favorite trip uh, especially of the AAU cycle but uh, it was a good trip and a a long haul but we're back and uh, yeah let's talk some hoops
1: can you set the scene like like what it's like to be there because even at some place like Riverside Brookfield which is a place I go um, you just see all these big wig coaches Juwan Howard sitting over here Brad Underwood sitting over there John Gross sitting over here like what is it what is it like at peach jam, which is like a national have to be there event?
2: Yeah, it's really condensed. I mean, it's, it's pretty congested with how many fans show up. You get a lot of people from the local area in Augusta and then people traveling from Atlanta and and it's their chance, especially down South or anybody that's in the area to, to get a look at the top players in the country. A lot of buzz about, Oh, LeBron James is in the house because of Bronny. And, and so everyone flocking to watch Bronny James and good luck. I mean, you got to get there really early to to get in the gym or you're up top. So you have some of the main courts. Now they've added on since because I mean, Peach Jam has become more and more of a big deal. And uh, two new courts that don't have the upstairs, but everything else has like a track ups, upstairs. And I mean, the line there, I, I've been at games in the past where you're like five deep as far as a row and you only get to see half of the court. So uh, that can be tough, but uh, yeah, Bronnie James was a, was a, a premier focus for a lot of people, but uh, just kind of in general, you just got uh, all the top coaches in the country. I mean, you see coach Cal, you see uh, apparently now Duke, John Shire, although I wouldn't play him among the top coaches, but you've got all the top programs there uh, you've got just maybe 50, 60 coaches at a particular game. You've got national media. you got the, the Jeff Goodmans, the Jeff Borzellos. you got you know ESPN, CBS, Matt Norlander, those type of guys there as well. And and just – it's really cool. And I think also now this is one where you get a lot of the the NBA guys who either are sponsoring a team, like a Brad Beal, like a Chris Paul, uh, a Carmelo Anthony that show up. And, and now we're starting to see guys who have – kids coming up the ranks too like i said with lebron and even melo has got a, a guy playing i think 15 or 16 you uh one of his sons so uh, that's really cool and it, it's just the premier event of the summer because it's you know they're going for the the trophies and uh, it's a big deal for those aau programs and it's high level basketball
1: who's the guy you stood next to sat next to at peach jam over the years that's that even you were just like because you get used to i don't want to say you get used to it you kind of just—it's—it's it's not as much as maybe the the average fan because you're around famous people a lot. Um, but the one guy that you're just in there—I can't believe I'm I'm sitting next to this guy or standing next to this guy.
2: Oh man, that's a good question. Uh, I mean, just to, to see
1: LeBron James in the same building—I yeah. I would be starstruck because he's just a—that's a different gravitational force than LeBron James, whether you like him or not.
2: Yeah, I would agree. LeBron here recently, within the last two years, with his kid on the circuit, is probably the one that is the highest there. And I'm not a huge LeBron guy, but just to know that that kind of a star is in the same building, pretty cool to see Carmelo and uh, to see Brad Beal, like coaching up his group is, is pretty cool as well. So uh, those type of guys. And then, I mean, we're around coaches a lot, so we probably don't get a star struck by a uh, Tom Izzo or even when Coach K was around, Roy Williams, Bill Self. But it is kind of amazing when you see like a collection of coaches and uh, when you're able to get intermingle with those guys and listen and be in on some of those conversations It's just kind of cool that uh, and we take it for granted. I know that we we kind of get so mixed in with it and get to be so close to to these coaches and follow them along that it kind of becomes normal for us. But still, there are some of those reflection points like, wow, this is this is pretty cool.
1: Especially when you see them all together and just how they interact with each other and that sometimes they don't hate each other, like, outside of the competition. Um, or at least they are collegial in the moment. Some guys aren't, though, uh, and that, that's fun. Some guys aren't. Well.
2: No, I mean, I, I haven't seen Brad and Juan yuck it up, but I think people would be surprised. If we've discussed this before. Like, Fran McCaffrey, I know in a lot of people's mind around the Big Ten, would probably like him just to be shunned and put – you know in a corner by himself and he's just stomping around angry but really fran's a nice dude he's funny and uh, he gets along with with most guys i mean the brad underwood matt painter fran mccaffrey was a trio you saw a lot throughout yeah. the spring and summer and those guys get along a lot
1: All right, Derek, I want to get your top Peach Jam takeaways here in in a moment, but let's discuss the Illini non-conference schedule is out. Uh, I I know more Illini fans are happy. My wife is happy that uh, we got the schedule out, so she knows uh, when I will be gone. I'm sure yours does as well. Uh, No big games here that we didn't know. We already knew the premier games on the schedule, but we find out Quincy will be the one exhibition. uh, I would say that leaves open a secret scrimmage, right?
2: I would think so. I think there'd be good value to that, to, to get challenged early. And again, they won't count, and, and maybe against uh – I'm not saying they're going to go out and try to do Kansas, because that was kind of buzzed about last summer because yeah. Illinois had so many – as an older team and returnees, it, it would be interesting to see what type of squad that they would try to link up with, but I would say secret scrimmage for sure.
1: Uh, secret, we use in air quotes there. <laughs> uh, they open up the season against Eastern Illinois November 7th, a couple games the next week against Kansas City and Monmouth, and then they head out to the Continental Tire main event in Vegas. You and I will be there, UCLA, and then either Baylor or Virginia. Come back home against Lindenwood before the Syracuse ACC Big Ten Challenge. They should have at least one Big Ten game, I would imagine, after that, before the, the Jimmy V Classic against Texas, potentially, in there, uh, and then maybe one after that. Uh, Alabama a and December 17th. Missouri, the Bragg and game on December 22nd, and then Bethune-Cookman on December 29th. Derek, uh, the cupcakes as we would call them, uh, extra cupcakey a little bit this year. But yeah. given the rest of the non-conference, that's probably not a bad setup because I think this all evens out into a, a pretty good non-conference schedule that should allow this team of mostly newcomers, right? Like this is almost a complete reset of the roster. Kind of gives them some time to reset, but also certainly challenges.
2: Yeah, it makes a lot of sense when you're balancing out the challenges and and the opportunities for the quad one wins in Vegas, uh, Madison Square Garden. And if Missouri's decent enough, it could be even a bragging rights game where that win could mean something on your resume. But uh, the home games, you don't want to take any bad losses. So in terms of challenging yourself with like a really uh, decent mid-major or anything like that, for a team that needs to gel, for a team that's going to play a different play style and a team that has a lot of freshmen it makes – sense to have those very easy buy games to let some some learning go on throughout the team and with individual guys and, and allow them to build some confidence as well. Guys like Sky Clark, Ty Rogers, Jaden Epps, uh, even a sincere Harris, Luke Goody, those type of guys uh, that would come off the bench. And uh, again, just to, to be able to have those games where you don't have to be at your peak or somewhere even close to. To win the game, uh, and then also have some moments where guys can, and when you have you know Coleman Hawkins and, and R.J. Melendez expecting to take big jumps, it's good early on to to give them opportunities to really dominate and have big games and, and try to build on that. So uh, yeah, as far as the six by games, I know it's EIU, UMKC, Monmouth, Lindenwood, Alabama A and M, and Cookman. I, I ran the the Bark Torvik. I was just looking those up. Those. <laughs> And it's uh, out of 363 schools. The average of those six is like 324. So you're you're talking about bottom of the barrel in Division One and and games that are about as easy as it as it can get at the D1 level. So uh, I understand it and definitely shouldn't take any losses from that group.
1: On the other flip side of the coin, there Texas, UCLA, Baylor are all top ten in, in the Torvik rankings. Um, Missouri's top 50, Syracuse top 80. Um, So you're certainly going to get tested there. Virginia uh, is number 16. So, I mean, you're going to have three top 16 games at at the very least, uh, maybe four there. And, man, this is going to be a loaded schedule. We should get to know uh, how good this team is. So, Derek, what would you qualify as kind of the bar of success for the non-conference with, what, 11 games Uh, on the non-conference schedule before a a 20 game big 10 slate that actually sets up pretty favorably as as favorably as a big 10 schedule can have so if we're is it eight and three is it nine and two what do you think
2: i think if you look at the games you have to win you have to win all those by games at home you should win the acc big 10 challenge against syracuse who's ranked in the 80s as far as nationally projected and A team that last year, I mean, Jim Bayheim has been there since 76, and not 1776, but it might as well be. 1976, that was the first time last year that he had a losing season. So that was not a good Syracuse team. Lost both of his sons and Buddy and Jimmy Bayheim. And uh, it's a team that brings back two starters, and uh, and they have a bunch of freshmen. So it's a young team and uh, just not one that's expected to be all that good. So playing them on your home floor, you got to win that game. The Missouri game is probably uh, – maybe it could be more of a toss-up than people want to admit. And I, I think Illinois is the more talented team. Uh, but you look at Missouri, they, they had a pretty good offseason with Isaiah Mosley coming in from Missouri State, a high-scoring guard. They got two of the top – I know you look at the JUCO rankings, rankings, and they got the top two incoming JUCO players in the D1. They got a, a big man and a guard uh, that should be able to provide a, an impact for them and, and be a starter – in the starting lineup, and Kobe Brown is back. So uh, that's kind of a little bit of a toss-up. But I think if you're talking successful non-con, you should probably win that game too. And you just don't want to go 0-3 between Vegas and New York. I, I think that you-, you can't go 0-3 between those two venues and, and say successful in the non-conference. So I'd say, yeah, if you if you go 3-2 and two in high major games, yeah. uh, that – is probably the bar, I think, where it starts of saying, oh, yeah, you know, we did about what would be expected and are in decent shape. Anything above that, like if you were to beat UCLA and and maybe Texas and lose to, say, Baylor, I, that would be – you'd put yourself in great shape uh, as far as what your resume would be and for a team that would only expect it to get better going forward. But those three, uh, as we're talking about Vegas and New York, are going to be very, very tough. UCLA is a top 10 team. Jaime Haquez back, Tiger Campbell back. Amari Bailey comes in as a five-star. they got a five-star big man as well. And if you lose that game and everyone would expect you play Virginia, while Virginia wasn't very good last year, they do bring back all five starters. Uh, Kie Clark's a good guard, Armand Franklin a down year, but we know what he's capable of. Uh, so that can be a tough game and that would just be a very experienced and kind of cliche, uh, a team that doesn't make a whole lot of mistakes. So that would be interesting in Texas. As a talented backcourt, Marcus Carr and Tyrese Hunter, the transfer from Iowa State, is considered one of the best transfers in the country. And that's in a battle against your young freshman guard. So, uh, yeah, I think that three and two in high majors, maybe only taking two losses in the non-con is is probably probably where he's setting it. But, uh, yeah, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I think – it says a lot about how much and I, I always come back to this, Derek it feels like just because we covered some bad basketball. Um, I think it says a lot about Illinois that like against that schedule nine and two is is the mark of success. and I don't disagree with you. but if they went nine and two, I think they're winning the big 10. Right, like that's that's how I feel. If they're coming out of it, I think eight and three is probably what is going to be expected on the Ken Palm or the Torvik rankings, because I think they'll be underdogs against UCLA, Baylor, maybe Virginia. That's maybe more of a toss-up. But uh, let's be honest; they always you're always going to drop one game, right? You're going to drop one of those games. Maybe you win one of them. You don't think you're going to win at the beginning, but uh, if they go nine and two, I'd be so high on this team because I think the non-conference is going to be. A game, you sit there and go, "What the heck was that?" Because this is a completely new roster for the most part, uh, trying to gel. I think there's going to be some ups and downs of that, but they're really, really talented. So I could see them beating UCLA and all of a sudden getting all this buzz, and then maybe losing to to Missouri, right? Like I, I could see that, um, or Syracuse or something, because the zone spooks them. Like I could see that happening. Uh, so if they get to eight and three out of the non-conference, I'd be like, "Yeah, they'll be fine." Because I expect uh, some ups and downs, as long as you don't lose those bye games. Um, if they're seven and five or seven and four, you got some big questions. That's disappointing for what this Illinois team is. But if they're nine and two or better, Derek, um, with their Big Ten schedule, like that's that's something we gotta think of when we're putting together our Big Ten uh projections this year of who's gonna win the Big Ten is Illinois' schedule is so favorable with their one and two plays, um, that I'd feel pretty dang bullish if they're nine and two or better.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and I do think it's going to take some time to gel. I think there will be a game that's pretty disappointing, whether it's a matchup like a, a UCLA or a Texas where you expect to compete and you get blown out, or if it's a toss-up game like a Missouri or, or Virginia that you lose, and that's kind of disappointing. Ho- hopefully, you wouldn't lose the Syracuse on your home floor, but it's certainly within the realm of possibility. And I don't, I don't foresee any of the by games being issues. But uh, yeah, I mean we we saw that Michigan didn't come out of the non-con all that great and and lost the game on the road at UCF that was disappointing for them and really in Brad Underwood's tenure last year losing to Cincinnati, losing to Marquette and uh, that was a team that was a lot more cohesive and and proven and even the year before that when they were at one seed losing at Missouri was was one that made you kind of scratch your head and was disappointing and uh, so they've had, they've taken their lumps even when they've been more of a a known commodity as a, as a team, so uh, I think it could take some time. And and I think the early Big Ten, the two early games in the Big Ten can kind of balance out whether it be some disappointment in the non-con, but you win, you do well in, in, in the Big Ten, or if you drop say those three marquee games uh, between Vegas and, and NYC, but you start two and zero in the Big Ten play, that can kind of yeah. boost you and make up for that as well. So.
1: Yeah, you mentioned that like the Big Ten games that are involved there. So they'll they'll have two Big Ten games in the middle of that non-conference. Like if they're ten and three out of that, I think you would feel pretty yep. dang good uh, about where Illinois basketball is. All right, Derek, back to Pe- Peach Jam. You've been following Mean Streets. You're basically the Mean Streets reporter here recently, <laughs> and the Imani beat, uh, Imani Hansberry beat here. Uh, it, it, are those the you know the teams, guys you've been focused on the most? And if so, what what was your takeaways?
2: Yeah, those are really the main ones on the UIBL circuit. And, and for a team that is probably not going to have a very big class in 2023, and there's certainly a lot of potential in 24 that's circled around Mean Streets, the St. Rita Trio, and Noyes, and and James Brown, and Merez, who obviously already had him on board, and then Carlos Harris at Cur- Curie, who's played really well. So uh, for Imani, it's just been kind of the same old story. He went on a tear from the point of when I saw him, in late May in, in uh, Louisville and then from that point I know we had a great June back on the East Coast and then saw him in Kansas City early July and then at Peach Jam and this is just a guy that continues to be supremely productive he was named first team all Peach Jam which is saying a lot considering the type of talent that is is down there uh, at that type of an event and he has outproduced guys that are ranked higher than him. I mean, and we're not even just talking about as a guy that's sitting there in that 125 to 130 range. i was just talking about oh, he played someone that was top 75, and, and he and he put up you know more points, more rebounds. He had games where he was on the floor with five star guys. Like there was a game against Mocan where he's against John Bull, who's one of the top centers in 2024, and. Omaha Balu, who just committed to Iowa State, who's a five-star power forward, and even in his own front court, Kwame Evans Jr. is a top ten player in the country in 2023. And uh, Amani had the best game of of those those four together uh, when you had that uh, that collection of talent on the floor. So uh, he's just continued to excel, continued to produce, continued to be consistent. and think get six double doubles in seven games down at Peach Jam, which is just it, it shows his motor, it shows his consistency the way he hits the glass and and he hit jumpers. That was something that just continued to show up throughout July is hitting mid-range jumpers, even knocking down a couple of threes, which is something he wasn't doing at regularity in the spring. So continue to be more and more impressed with him. Uh, We'll see. He's gotten some recent offers. He got Auburn earlier in July, Oregon and West Virginia offered, I think early on in Peach Jam, if not right before. And uh, he's going to be at Miami this upcoming weekend for an official visit and We'll see where it goes from there. But uh, Illinois was three deep at like all of his games at Peach Jam and has made a very clear point that he is the top priority for them in in 2023. So that's been impressive, and he's, he's earned that.
0: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Derek, you've written about this in the recent weeks and we can see it. We've always been wondering like, What's Illinois's plan in 2023? Because they haven't been as aggressive in that class. Um, how narrow of a focus is it in the class of 2023? We, we, we've talked about nationally, maybe not a great class. Um, certainly in state, not as strong of a class. A lot of high major prospects, but maybe towards the lower end of high majors. Um, is it a Monty Hansberry or bust in 2023?
2: I, I don't want to go all in and say absolutely yes, because we've seen this staff Show us in the past that they have more and more options uh, as yeah. you know dominoes fall. Like we could have said in 2023, you know, a year ago that it's Jeremy Fears and Kylan Boswell are bust. Well, right. then they pull Sky Clark, in, you know, late in 2022. And it's a little bit it changes things. So uh, yes, on the surface in terms of getting a priority guy, I think Amani, as far as the guys they tracked on the AAU circuit throughout the spring and summer, is the only surefire priority we're going all in to get him type of guy. So I think that it is Amani or bust, in that type of a sense. There are maybe some other players out that they would pivot to, but I'd even be a little skeptical knowing Brad and knowing the opportunities in the portal. And when you come off getting Matthew Meyer and Terrence Shannon Jr. and the year before that, you got Alfonzo Plummer? Uh, why not? If you, they're not going to reach. They're not going to take a guy that's going to be someone that's like, oh, I'm not sure. Maybe that's a, a little bit of a reach. Maybe he's not going to give us what they want. They won't. They certainly won't do that. Now we'll talk about some international players that have come into the fold and, and some guys that like Jeff Alexander and Brad Underwood saw at the NBA Academy games down in Atlanta early in July, and uh, that's becoming more of a focal point. International recruiting. There are some names that they could that, that they certainly like in 23. But as far as You're looking at, you know, in the U.S. and and those familiar names in the AAU circuit. I mean, even Jazz Gardner, who we thought would be a priority guy and someone that Chester Frazier got in early on, and he's a top 100 big man, maybe in top 75. I don't think they watched him at all the last live period in July. I think that says a lot about how much they like Hansberry, but also they're being pretty picky and selective about who they're going after. And Hansberry is the only surefire priority right now.
1: Yeah, and I think we gotta remember, um, by adding Sky Clark, by adding, you know, Zachary Perren, um, they have a couple pieces that maybe they would have tried to get in the class of twenty twenty three, uh, especially the French forward, right? Like he he kind of fills a role, a developmental role, uh, in the front court that, you know, maybe they would have had to reach for a guy in twenty twenty three that they don't have to. But you know, Brad still says he believes in being a developmental program, Derek, but part of that is now transfers right and he's talked about you know how many guys do I want to spend on high school when when I can just go in the portal get some guys who are going to give you immediate gratification and you know obviously more proven at, at that level more proven commodity so how much of recruiting do you think for Illinois moving forward is going to be transfers is it 50% is it 30% what do you think
2: I think it will be a balance uh, I think you could see it be 50-50 or Uh, I know I was listening to all those media day pressers at at Indianapolis that you and Joe were at, and Mel Tucker was asked, kind of the balance of portal versus high school recruiting. He's like, you look at the high school recruiting as the draft and the portal as free agency, so I still think there is going to be a significant focus on trying to get some long-term players via high school and and even international, just prep type of players, those those four-year guys or, or whatever they might be. I mean, there's a lot of value in getting certain guys that are in that top 100 top 50 range I mean they they want to continue the cycle of get a guy like Io DeSumo get a guy like Kofi Coburn have him in your program for three years watch the development and the progress or you look at the the freshmen that are coming in this year and Sky and Ty Rogers and Jaden Epps and even Sincere Harris is on that back end of the top 100 they really like what those guys will be early as particularly some of those guys in that top 50 range and then how they will develop but Uh, with the portal and how much opportunity there is, you can get very good, very proven players uh, from college basketball who have even played in high major conferences and Mm -hmm. supplement that with what you already have to to fill needs and and to be able, especially in this case of this year, to have leadership, to have proven commodities. Uh, So I think that it's really going to just be something they continue to evaluate what they need and then, you're you're taking away the 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 old kind of ways of well we missed on our type you know our priority a guys now we got a b list or maybe even a c list of guys that you know we're not as high on but we like and i don't think you pluck from that as much now that the portal is going to be involved as much as it is so uh, maybe it's 50 50 maybe that's even too heavy on the portal it just kind of depends on each class because i think in look at 24 while 23 will be pretty light on the high school front 24 I I could see them getting maybe the same St. Rita trio if they can if they can pull off James Brown against the offers he has and uh, that would be a bigger class and then maybe it's only one transfer that year so uh, it might depend on the year but certainly the portal is having a big impact and they know that there's a lot of potential there.
1: Yeah, speaking of 2024, Derek, uh, obviously Merez Johnson is locked in. ZZ Clark now going to overtime elite. If you want to weigh in on that, you can. But uh, what would you see from the prospects Illinois targeting in 2024?
2: Yeah, Merez, I know early in the week for Peach Jam, had, played, had some games where he played about as well as, as I've seen him play, and a lot of people have seen him play with him. Showing some mid-range jumpers, which is a big part of his development to show, I mean, if you can just look at the way that Merez and James play together it's usually kind of that high low dynamic where Merez when he's playing the four and is out to the free throw line extended if he's making a jump shot and I know that's a big focus going forward that just makes him and whoever's playing the five you know all that more hard to guard because he's very athletic he continues to hit the glass fantastically he was really ferocious in some finishes that were high level and, and he blocked shots too and Uh, to see some of those those flashes jump shot wise was encouraging but James continues I mean James had a fantastic AAU season has blown up immensely getting the Duke offer at Peach Jam prior to that it was UNC Michigan Indiana it's going to be a national it is now a national recruitment that's going to drag out and I mean why, why wouldn't it why wouldn't he you know thoroughly evaluate all his options and take a bunch of visits and see what that looks like but I know that he's impressed a lot of people with his I mean he's already been a fantastic interior scorer uh, he's now showing more off the dribble uh, and he's uh, I, I love his defense I love how hard he plays I love how he moves and blocks shots so uh, he continues to be impressive and uh, Noyes was up and down up and down in July you know there was a game in Kansas City I saw him go for 35 points and make six threes I was like wow this is a high-level scorer, a guy that can shoot the the ball as well as anybody in this class. But there have been some down moments throughout, you know, great spring. June was a little bit lackluster, especially when he didn't have Merez and James who were at the USA basketball camp. And then July was up and down and and a really ugly last game at Peach Jam. But uh, not not to read a ton into that, I just think there's some things for him to, to work on. He needs to get stronger. He needs to handle contact better. And he needs to get better defensively and just kind of be more consistent overall. But, uh, and then Carlos Harris is someone that needs to be not forgotten as far as that Mean Streets group, and I know that Illinois has ZZ Clark on board in 2024, but Harris is a guy that they really like. He needs to shoot the ball a little bit better from the perimeter, but he is a pit bull. Just so, so tough, so strong, fiz- finishes through contact, runs the team really well, and then defends as a really tenacious on-ball defender. I know that we've brought it up before, but some shades of Andres Felice and I know that that puts you on all on board for, I mean, for a guy I haven't too.
1: seen him play but if you use an Andres Felice comp I'm, I'm sold
2: I'm sold absolutely He's not as thick as, as Felice but he's strong for his size so he's he's got some some parallels and yeah ZZ Clark joining overtime there's Zizi's got some things to prove I mean I, that's not to say that I'm speaking for the staff and saying yeah. oh well his commitment is on you know unstable ground or anything but I, I just think when you See what happened in the spring with not playing as well as you would have hoped, and then leaves uh, his AAU team, which was the Skill Factory on UABL mid-session at Indianapolis, and he doesn't catch on with another AAU team. It's just kind of a situation where now he needs to show that he is a Big Ten caliber player, that he is a high major recruit, and that he can pivot from some of these struggles and, and continue to progress and and show the the talent that you would hope when you commit to a program like that. So overtime elite is, is getting a lot of talented guys I and mean, he's going to be in the same backcourt as Jeremy fears and probably playing behind him, but uh, there's going to be great opportunity to have a, a stage and, and to play against good competition.
1: We've spent so much time covering Illinois basketball about in-state recruiting, whether it's football or, or basketball, especially um, Illinois is going to have two in-state natives on the roster next year. Terrence Shannon, who's a transfer and Brandon Lieb, right? And uh, long term, I, I don't know who's going to be there, but it doesn't matter. Nobody cares about that stuff. Um, you know, as long as you are recruiting the really good ones, they got Merez Johnson coming in, right? Uh, Ty Rogers, I know, played in Chicago last year, but he's a Michigan guy, which makes it so impressive you beat Tom Izzo for him. But that's what's made this staff so good, Derek, is is they have reach everywhere and they are reaching further into the international, right? And, and that's been very good for them, whether, you know, Andres Feliz, Kofi Coburn are from there. I know they were in the States when they were recruiting them, but, you know, Benjamin Bossman's Verdonk, like they have gone overseas and, and gotten some, some talent here outside of the U S right. Um, Alfonso Plummer, a guy from Puerto Rico. Now they're, they're getting more into Europe. They get Zachary Perrine. And it feels like and it looks like they are, are starting to up their recruiting more. So, so tell me why they're doing that and what that could mean for the program.
2: In terms of why, there's just a lot of really good players that are international and overseas. And, and there are two different categories of guys that come over from you know, international routes and, and play high school basketball, like a Kofi Coburn from Jamaica. Or you know, we, we've seen Andres Felice come over and was playing high school basketball in Florida and ultimately played JUCO. And then there's the guys that don't come over and you're that's a little bit more as far as mining for talent. Not to say that they're they're all, you know, top secret type of guys like you got to really figure that out because there's there's FIBA and there there there's ways to to find out who are really good players over yeah, there. Yeah, like
1: Victor Wembanyama is not some secret, right? <laughs>
2: yeah. He is not. No. So uh, like a uh, Benjamin for dunk was one that I I personally didn't know uh, much about him I don't know who else was really there weren't a ton of other options for him as Zachary Perrine was you know UCLA knew about him was pushing for him and Texas came in late on him and was pushing for him so that was a big win and I know that those around the program feel that not only is that an exciting victory in recruiting for the program because of what Perrine can be upside wise with his skill set and his length and Uh, what he can develop into, but that kind of paved a pathway of establishing new connections and some influential people that they've gotten to know and and have built relationships with that can pay dividends down the road with some other guys internationally. So uh, Jeff Alexander has really taken up that mantle of he's just someone that came in 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 2017 from Evansville and had recruited internationally uh, in the past. But now is really diving in deeper to to further those inroads that he has. He was out there uh, at the FIBA World Cup in Spain earlier in July. He's currently in Istanbul at the European Championships under 18, going to see Zachary Perrin, going to see a guy we'll talk about, a Nicolo Moretti, who's an Italian point guard that they saw at the NBA Academy. So uh, the bottom line is, and I know that we've talked about this a little bit in the past, is Gonzaga has done a phenomenal job of, of bringing in international talent. Arizona's done it, especially within the last five years or so, and we'll continue to do that with Tommy Lloyd. Michigan with the Wagner's, uh, even going to Canada, which we, I know we don't maybe consider as much of a reach anymore because uh, those guys are are more integrated into the EYBL and, and those type of things. But uh, with Stauskas and everything, it's been very good to some other programs, and I think that Illinois recognizes that it can be great for – for them, and, and they've got some good feedback, not only where the program's going, how Underwood and his staff are viewed as coaches. And, I mean, the university is super diverse. It's a high-end yeah. academic institution. There's just a lot of boxes that they check, and uh, they definitely want to be more prominent in that market.
1: And the other thing is, Derek, the basketball's good over there, right? Like, this yeah. is no longer like, hey, you're, you're taking huge risks on a lot of these guys because there's good basketball coaches, there's good basketball players we just had the top three MVP candidates were all international players. Right. And I think it's, you know, growing percentage of, of guys are in the NBA and in college basketball are are over there. So I I think you'd be, you probably wouldn't be a big time program if you're not looking over there and investing some resources. So I think it's really cool that uh, Illinois and smarts that they are sending Jeff Alexander over there to, to scout a lot of these tournaments. I think, one of the things like, uh, ESPN, Mike Schmitz, what made him so good. He went over there all the time and made connections with people and found some of that talent. And now he's, a uh, in an NBA, you know, uh, front office and, you know, Tommy Lloyd has, has made a career, uh, out of going overseas and building Gonzaga up with Mark few of finding those international guys. And now he's doing it at Arizona. So, uh, I think it's, it's really, really smart for them to do that. And, uh, you know, Jeff, I think, could be pretty good at that. And, uh, you know, I know people are sitting there going like, well, what's what's he doing? Well, Zachary Perrine was a pretty big win uh, for Illinois. If they get a couple of those every couple of years, uh, that'd be big for Illinois. So, uh, Derek, any other recruiting things that, that we should be paying attention to before we let you go?
2: Yeah, I might as well tell you a little bit more about Nicolo Moretti yeah. is, is the point guard from Italy who – is really gifted off the dribble, great passer. Uh, I know that the Atlanta staff, they offered him after seeing him at the NBA Academy in Atlanta. and They see some some similarities between him and, and Andre Corbello with, with those type of skills, but he's someone that shoots the three a lot better, is more progressive his jump shot. He was hitting some really deep threes. Uh, and as a lefty who's got the stroke and, and has some, some skill off the bounce, it's easy to say, oh, Goran Dragic, which yeah. I'll be honest, like that's kind of what you see, when you look at his highlights, Underwood loves
1: the lefties, doesn't he? Like, there's a lot of yeah. lefties on this team.
2: Yeah, someone's got to replace Trent and, and Plummer, and yeah. so I think that that's something. And as they evaluate, their, you know, you get a chance in the summer, and we'll find out more as we get into the fall and playing games as far as your current roster. But you you know, this guy Clark is a a point guard. He is a little bit wired, score first, but he is a very talented. Handler and can get to places and facilitate. That's still something that needs to grow. But uh, Jaden Epps is definitely a bucket, a bucket getter. But I think that is he a, a point guard? Is he a guy that's going to make others around him better? I'm not saying that he won't develop into that. I'm not saying that – I've I've seen some of that out of him uh, in AAU in high school. But I know that as they've evaluated him this summer, they, they want to see him push forward with that. So another playmaking point guard – in the mix is something that's become kind of a a priority or or something that they certainly have recognized as something that they need. So uh, someone like Nicola Moretti, who's the brother of David Moretti, I think they call him David. It's David with an E at the end. So I'm going to say David Moretti at uh, Texas Tech 2019 runner up was a starter for them and and did some really good things. So uh, that's one they're looking at uh, out. Alex Tui is, is from Australia, six foot seven forward, was a top scorer at the NBA Academy, is another one that they've uh, gotten involved with. I know that after he performed uh, at NBA Academy, Duke, Michigan, Gonzaga all showed interest. So uh, just kind of tapping into those connections and, and opening up the, the reach of the program to international is, is something that they're very interested in continuing to do. And uh, I know that we'll get into what's traditional official visit season. I don't know how many there's going to be this coming fall. Is Imani Hansberry going to want to take more official visits to places he's already been? I think Illinois would be willing to host him again because of there's just not as many targets to worry about running out of visits and they want him bad enough to probably bring him in again. You'll definitely have the in-state guys, the St. Rita guys uh, and Harris down for unofficials for football weekends and everything. But, yeah, I think that now the last summer live period at least in terms of in the states is done it's it's a very as we talked about narrow focus in 23 a lot of potential in 24 and uh, and some decisions to make as far as you know how dominoes fall with hansbury on where to go you know you're gonna pivot with someone in the class or are you're gonna be patient and wait see if anything comes up like reclass wise but also with the portal and still have a spot remaining for mid-year and and also knowing after the season, you can bring in some impact guys as well.
1: Derek Piper is all over it, uh, traveling the country this summer, checking out all, all the Illini targets. So, uh, tell Haley, tell Cade, we're going to keep you home for a while, um, so they they can uh, have have Papa Piper uh, around. Have, have you got the little Tykes basketball hoop yet? Is you got Cade uh, performing
2: jumpers on that yet? You know, we we <laughs> haven't got that yet. Uh, I would probably be using it more than him at this point, which I'm all for. Uh, he hasn't gotten to the point of, of holding the ball yet. I haven't really pushed that too much. Uh, What's he
1: three months? Come on,
2: Kate. Yeah. He just turned three <laughs> months yesterday, but a big guy, I like the way the hands are growing, should be able to palm the little nerf ball soon enough, but now he's doing great, but I got to make sure not to leave. Cause if, if you notice it all, if you pay attention, my office got rearranged uh, without my knowing I showed up, you know, being gone for four or five days at Peach Jam And you come back, your desk is moved And uh, a little bit different setup So, uh, just threw her under the
1: bus, didn't you?
2: Yeah, I did She's yeah. <laughs> not going to listen to this, are, this are podcast those, So we're good
1: Are those cards in the background?
2: Yeah, yeah oh, What do what you got over card. there?
1: I got my, uh, for those on the YouTube I got mine over here that, That's the uh, IO card I pulled Oh, I'm I so card, pumped yeah. about that All right, so These are a little awesome. bit
2: different I got an Ozzy Smith,
1: Wizard of Oz nice. card, yeah. Let's yeah. see what else I got. I got I'm going to stand up, and uh, I'll show you some other ones I got. I got the uh, – Oh, hey, Ohtani. Oh, nice. I got the Darren Williams rookie right there. Uh,
2: that's
1: great. Yeah. yeah. Frank Thomas rookie, Brian Urlacher. I got an Eddie Curry card over there. Hey. Eddie Curry. I was so pumped the Bulls got him. Yeah, I was really upset when they traded Elton Brand. This guy needs to stay healthy. This isn't as worth. Yeah.
2: This is Jack Flaherty. Yeah, not he's, as. Uh, he's kind of
1: a polarizing figure there with the Cardinals fan
2: base. I know my uh, my everyday co-host Montek not <laughs> wait till he's out of a Cardinals uniform, which it's hard to argue, honestly.
1: Yeah, injuries
2: suck, but yeah, we're just waiting for Juan Soto. I'll have to get a Juan Soto yeah. card if he shows up.
1: Yeah, that'd be very Cardinals. Uh, <laughs> Goldie doing what he's doing Arenado doing what he's doing Man it must be nice to have That kind of developmental and draft Like it's just unbelievable Derek What they're able to do Like that—that's the. I'm, I'm jealous I'm just jealous Of your, your organization that you're, you're able to Be in the running for those kind of guys all the time Don't land them all the time of course But you're in the running so good for you
2: Appreciate that And I've, I've been frustrated with The lack of Playoff success here recently, and, and feeling like you're kind of in that upper tier of me- mediocre. Yeah. But yeah, when you do draft well and develop well, you put yourself in positions to make some of these type of moves. And uh, I mean, it, it is kind of that angst of whether it would ultimately burn you, especially when you talk about Cardinals and not committing to those long term type of you know ten year, four hundred million dollar type of contracts. And Soto's probably going to earn even more than that it would be. It'd be dumb, in my opinion, to trade for him and not be all the way in on trying to re sign him. Right. But, uh, I mean, you do get him for two and
1: a half years, though. And then you could just flip him in your last year if you don't (laughs) sign him and get a bunch of prospects back anyway. But I love seeing, like, the random Cardinals fans saying he's too flashy for them. Come on, man. That's the worst. This guy's like Ted Williams (laughs) (laughs) Uh, with a bat in his hand. Uh, Derek Piper, thank you as always. Uh, Say hello to Haley and Cade for us. And uh, always appreciate the time, man.
2: I will do, and great talking as always, and do it again soon.
1: That's Derek Piper. Thank you to everyone for listening to the Online Enquirer podcast. You can follow us wherever you get your podcast, Rate us, review us. We appreciate that, and check us out on YouTube as well. Everybody, have a great day, and we'll talk to you next time on the Online Enquirer podcast.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.